Well, hello and welcome to Dragonheart, special Dragonheart. We're going to do some Wrexham stuff, but we're also going to do some Wales and Euro 2020 stuff because it is 2021 after all. It's about time we got round to it. Hello, Jay. Hello, I'm absolutely buzzing for the game on Saturday, Mark. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I hope you're still buzzing Saturday night after the result. That's uh, my well, well, we'll soon see. I hope so. <laughs> I see you've come suitably dressed in your Wales shirt. It's very impressive. Yep. And I got Balaam Rams and Joe Allen behind me. Nice, nice. For those of you listening to the podcast rather than watching it, it's a background. They're not just lurking behind him. Um, <laughs> and I've, I've ordered some T-shirts. I thought my wardrobe is looking thin. And I, so I've ordered three T-shirts Uh from Cult Zeros, who make some nice teachers that you can you can uh, personalise. I'm wearing my first one today in proper Wrexham Lager away shirt colours of light blue and dark blue, and it's Carl Connolly. And underneath, it just commemorates one of his great moments: the the date and the actual location. And it's the fifth of December, nineteen ninety-seven, Diva Stadium, Chester, North Wales. Because we all oh, know right. where the Diva Stadium is, don't we? Yeah, I love that. Love it. I uh, got a couple more to use in the next couple of, couple of podcasts as well. But um, <laughs> yes, we're going to look at European Championships more this time. There's not much happening in Wrexham at the moment. I mean, there never really was going to be this week, I don't think. Uh, we've not had much contract news. Um, but we didn't get a chance last week to properly pay tribute to Sean Pearson, did we, Jay? And, and we certainly should, because it's, it's a real shame to see him go. Yeah, and I think before we when we recorded it, nothing was finalised, was it? There was the rumours that Pearson was going when we recorded it. We couldn't really say it, couldn't really say anything, could we? But honestly, what a fantastic servant, club legend, and I'm I'm very sad to see him go. Absolutely, um, you're brilliant on the pitch, brilliant off the pitch, which is you know as we always say is what the club's about, the community spirit and. You know, these days, and especially with players on short-term contracts and, and low pay at our level, players don't tend to move to the area they're playing. But Pearson very definitely wanted to move in, and he made himself part of Wrexham, didn't he? Um, oh, oh, he was a part of the furniture. That's why it was, yeah. it was a bit of a shock that he left, really, as well. But, you know, he had to do what was best for, for him. And I, I'm, I'm sure everyone at Wrexham wishes him the best luck. And when he comes to the race course next season, I'm mm. sure he'll get the warmest of receptions. Absolutely. I uh, popped into Tesco today and the security man on the door is a big Wrexham fan who I know. And he was saying how Pearson was in Tesco a couple of days ago and he was chatting to him and saying about how during the first lockdown, Pearson was working nights in Tesco, stocking, packing shelves and as well doing the food deliveries, which he seems to have got addicted to doing, to be fair to him. But yeah, he's a, he's a terrific... It's funny, isn't it? He's only been with us four seasons, but he... It doesn't feel odd to describe him as a club legend, does it really? Oh, not, not at all. And um, I think everyone who's met him, he's just, he comes across as such a down-to-earth, salty-earth guy, doesn't he? And it's, it's always great to have that sort of person who played on the pitch, especially at our level. And he puts his real heart and soul into Wrexham. And I think at every club he plays for, I think the fans love him, don't they? Yeah, exactly. And you, you can't... Um... You can't uh, sort of feel uncomfortable about him leaving from his point of view. You can't blame him for leaving is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I mean, he's got to look after his family. You know, like you said, it's a it's a short career and it's not a very well-paid career at that hour level. So, you know, if, if he has more job security at Grimsby, you know, I don't begrudge him that for a second. He needs to take that and look after his family first, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? It's an absolute no-brainer. I think everyone else in his position, would do the exact same thing. I feel a little... Something I feel sad about is that not the season has just finished, the season before, he had a rough time of it. And that was because he was carrying an injury. And it led to this really odd misconception, which I know made Sean very angry, that he was over the hill and he was old. When the fact of the matter is, you know, at the end of last season, he was only 31. He, mm. He's not old. It was just he wasn't fit because he had an injury and he was trying to play through it rather than step back and have an operation and end up missing a lot of time. Well, he had to, in the end, have it sorted. He was out a long time this season. He had a little three-match false start where he didn't look right. But when he came back into the side, 
Well, I mean, oh. he wasn't missing games. Previously, he was, if he played on a Saturday, he couldn't play on a Tuesday. He was playing all the way through, played 13 games on the trot, including two games in three, in three days. And not only did he look fit, but I mean, I'm sure you'll agree, Jay, his form, yeah. he was as good as he's ever been, wasn't he? Well, was it the Bromley game after Kelleher got red carded that he mm. came back? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember us both being on comms that day and we were like, he had such an excellent performance, didn't he? And it was fantastic to watch. And that was actually one of my favourite memories of him, hit seeing him come back on the pitch because I was yeah. so, I was a bit um and ahhing if he could do the same job as what Kelleher could do. I think Kelleher had a, has had a fantastic season for us. So, yeah, he come in and he's, he's been excellent since he's come back from a, a nasty injury from all sounds. So, yeah, credit to him and his personality and it, him as a player. Yeah, we'll, we'll really miss him. Uh, he's a yeah. proper leader in all senses of the words. And uh, I hope they go up in the playoffs, Grimsby. <laughs> I hope the title's yeah. Yeah, a bit closer to home. <laughs> well, yeah, let, let's hope so. But it, let's hope we bring in someone as well who's got that same sort of character and energy too, because I think he brings a lot to the club, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch too. Yeah, absolutely. Big boots to, to fill, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Right, well, Sean's gone. Next, we'll talk about, again, something from the past, last season's Goal of the Season trophy, which voting for is currently taking place on. Yeah, so the Goal of the Season trophy, and, and it's something that's very close to my heart for a couple of reasons, which I'll, I'll explain now. Um, one of them is that in its current carnation, incarnation, it's the Steve Edwards Gold of the Season trophy, and uh, I know I, I say this every year, and I make no apology for it. The reason it's the Steve Edwards Gold of the Season trophy is that Steve was uh, part of the commentary team and did an absolutely fantastic job. And nicer fella you couldn't hope to meet, and a more decent, reliable chap you couldn't hope to meet. He wasn't interested in commentating, only summarising, and so we would often do the games together. And he was a brilliant summariser who would spot things I didn't spot. I mean, most people do, but he was very good at it. Um, wonderful stuff. And, and sadly, um, he was—he became very, very ill and we lost him. And his mm. wife wanted to do something to commemorate the fact that he was such a diehard Wrexham fan. He actually started off just sitting behind the commentary box. But he would, he would just... Um, you know, if anybody needed some help, he'd lean in to help people out. And he went from that to writing the match reports, sitting next to me, to me saying, do you ever fancy doing commentaries? And he said, yeah, yeah. It was brilliant. So his wife, to commemorate all that, um, said she wanted to sponsor a, a something at the club. Now, I'd started a goal of the season tournament, actually, in the 1990s. I did it to make money for the hospital broadcast, and it lasted for a few years, and then the sponsorship money completely dried up. I couldn't get sponsors, and I wish, in, in hindsight, I wish I hadn't done this, but I then stopped doing it. Um, mm. And there's a gap, and then we started it up again because Wendy was wanted to do something. So it's a Steve Edwards goal of the season trophy. Um, by the way, Steve is the person who came up with uh, <laughs> "I love to booby." That you know, I love to. Oh. Booby. Yeah, he was the one who came up with that during the commentary in Tuberty's oh, wow. debut when he scored um, with a, a brilliant free kick. Um, so hats off to him for that genius. Um, yeah. But yeah, so the trophy, I'm, I'm so pleased the trophy is named after him. We've had some absolute stormers win the trophy in the past. And I, I think it's fair to say, Jay, we've had some stormers, a lot of stormers this season. Yeah, definitely. We've had some amazing goals mainly from Luke Young and Jordan Davis mm. I think that I think they're going to dominate the goal of the season chart shall we say but yeah. yeah we've had some great goals this season yeah well we started last summer purely because of lockdown we thought let's put more content out to keep people occupied previously it was just a vote with a mm. shortlist but we decided to sort of spice it up a bit so we picked the best 16 and arranged it as a cup competition with goals going against each other and going through to the next round and that works really well so we've tried it again and yeah there's a lot of Davis and Young in it um, <laughs> because Dior Angus scored two beauties in one game yeah. didn't he against Bromley didn't he? The, the hooked goal and then the volley and I was yeah, always yeah. 
this is daft, this, but I, I've always been quite fascinated by how people couldn't agree on which of those two goals in that game was better. Straight after the game, I remember all the media team arguing about it. Well, me and you've got, I mean, you thought the second goal was better and I yeah. thought the first goal was better. Yeah. So, exactly. I, I still say the first goal was better and maybe either one of them two could easily be goal of the season, couldn't yeah. they? Yeah. I mean, the first goal is just brilliant awareness, isn't it? You know, a proper yeah. sort of instinct of a striker. Just the awareness of where the keeper is, where the posts are, what the situation is. And, and that lovely ball to him by French. It's a fantastic goal. Yeah. I, I've got to say, I still lean towards the second one because of the technique. He's, he's hitting the volley on the run from a, an almost impossible angle. It's a hell of a, a strike. And, but yeah, they're both great. And, and some years there have been times when we put the short, shortlist together and we've struggled to come up with a shortlist. And there have been other years when, well, like this one, where, well, what happened was um, the, the, the two-headed beast that runs the media team Colin Henrys and Ollie Williams and I, we all came up with our best 16 in order and then we basically um, we ended up thrashing out for 16. Um, but there were a lot of good goals we didn't put in that in other years yeah. might have won it, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. That field yeah. cell goal at Weymouth when he just runs through them and there's, there's a bit of luck involved. But to be fair, he does it. <laughs> he makes yeah, it in yeah, the end. Exactly. That didn't even get in the top 16. You know, there were a few cracking goals. It was a strange season as well, especially mm. having no fans and what have you, wasn't it? So maybe the, these players this year, maybe less pressure, they could express themselves and have a bit of a go without the fans there. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's been a strange season for Wrexham in general, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Another good goal didn't go in. Actually, Ollie was very keen on um, Ponticelli's goal against Kings Lynn when Green put the cross in for him. And... I've got to admit, when he explained it about, about the quality of the cross, I started thinking, actually, yeah, maybe that should be in. But it was too late by then. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it'd be interesting I, to see who wins it. Luke Young's won it the last two years, but I think Jordan Davis, is, at the very least, is a serious contender to knock him off his perch. Yeah, or, or Dio Rangus with them two yeah. goals. That Kwame Thomas goal actually is a, a good point that I think Colin made, was it Ollie? Um the problem of doing it by video, of course, is that you're reliant on the quality of the video. Now, yeah. that Kwame Thomas goal, he's got one goal in the 16, and it was the one at Eastleigh, which was a magnificent goal. Jordan Davis does really well on the halfway line, dinks a perfect ball in. Thomas does so well to just get their head to the centre-back, take it on his chest, but it doesn't run away from him. It just goes away from him enough to draw the keeper out. And then he has a brilliant first-time finish, just beating the keeper to it and pulling it into the bottom right corner. It's a superb goal, but the footage is awful. So, you know what I mean? But will people mm. give that the credit it deserves because you can barely make out what's happening, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of... Um... Street, there was a lot of a uh, suspect streaming, wasn't there, going on, especially yeah. at the start of the season when the clubs, everyone in the National League, because it's so, it's so new here, Credit, credit to all the National League clubs for adapting to mm. streaming, really. And I think, I know it's a different, completely different topic, but I don't think we can go back from this. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of the camera angles and what have you, it'll be uh, quite hard to see, depend, reliant on streams, and especially our stream really improved towards the end of the season. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of those goals look great in multi, with multi-angle coverage, don't they? And they yeah, might have an advantage. Exactly. Yeah, but uh, uh, it'll be good to see. Anyway, it's, it's a bit of fun. So remember, you can follow Wrexham's Twitter account and vote daily on what the who will win it. The winner, the final, will be on Sunday. Speaking of big finals, well, there'll be one coming up next month in, in Wembley. And so now, let's shift gear awkwardly away from Wrexham. <laughs> and after this, we'll be starting to our coverage of Euro 2020 in Eurohearts. I wanted there to be some like some Kraftwerk style electronic music coming in then, but um, oh well. After this, Euro twenty twenty. It's a year late, but it'll still be great. I don't know where that came from, but it sounded fantastic. We're going to cover European uh, Championships because Wales are in it. And because it's nice to talk about other stuff for a change, let's be honest. Remember, before we go on, 
that we are running a fantasy league. It's the Daily Telegraph's fantasy league. The link and the code are in the description down here. Jump in and join it quickly. Come on, the championship starts today, so we need to dive in as quickly as possible and join it. Uh, and you can see if you can beat us. Spoiler alert, you ain't going to beat us. Anyway, European Championships. With this weird new format of being spread all over Europe, which has been made complicated by COVID, of course. Well, I suppose, firstly, what, what do you think about this format? Is it a good idea, bad idea? What's, so, what's your take on it? Don't like it. Mm. Don't like it. I, I think um, World Cups and Euros should be in one destination or two. And it should be about celebrating this country or two countries' um, culture and the way they live and learning about their cities and having all these people going to visit these cities that they may not usually visit. So, yeah, I don't really like the fact that Wales are playing twice in Baku and then have a disadvantage because they're playing Italy away against the home crowd. And the fact that England are going to play all their games at home, I, I, I think it's an unfair advantage and I, I don't like it. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Um, I hope it's just a stunt <laughs> to be perfectly frank because I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of this. I completely agree. A celebration of a host country. I think it's also um, quite fun to have a host country with advantage. Just a one. You know, yeah. maybe two, like yeah. you say, but generally I'd say just a one. So that one of the narratives is can they live up to the pressure can, can yeah. they cope? And I think that's interesting. But having lots of teams, and of course, it's all the big teams getting uh, the home advantages, is uncomfortable to my eyes. Yeah. Um, plus, I mean, I find it utterly astounding that they've done it during a pandemic. Yeah. It's still in a pandemic. And yeah. they're encouraging pan-European travel. Um, it's completely disrespectful to fans, I think. You know, if you're a Wales fan... You can have to, I mean, getting to Baku is tricky enough, but Baku then pop into Rome and then hopefully we get through and then somewhere else. I mean, it's a hell of a lot of travelling to ask. And surely travel is going to be difficult for the players to cope with, isn't it? Yeah. Surely. Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? And it's, and, and, and then again, England will be playing all their games at home, won't they? So, yeah. and Italy will be playing their games at home. Will Holland be playing their games at home? I'm, uh, let me let me check my wall charts. I'm sort of thinking not, but I could be proven wrong. They are playing a. Sam, yes, they, they are, are playing in Amsterdam, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it just gives a ridiculous home advantage. I, I, as you said, I really like it when I don't know. Uh, remember the 2002, and it's a, it's a World Cup. It's from different mm. South Korea got to yeah. the semi-finals and stuff because their home advantage and what have you and. I like to see countries really excel or crumble in front yeah. of their home advantage. It's it's <laughs> like Brazil in their World yeah. Cup against uh, Germany when they crumbled and what have you. It's it's and Portugal losing in the final to Greece in two oh four. It's yeah. just it. I don't know. I don't you really know. You do enjoy other people suffering, don't you? <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, I do. Good man. <laughs> <laughs> Quite right. It's a, it's, it's, yeah, I just, I think we should accept it this time and hope it's just a one-off. I think if it isn't, there's a bit more of an, an issue to it, really, uh, for me. Mm. Um, but like I said, it feels inappropriate to be doing it now of all times. I, I know not many countries could have taken it a short notice, but... Okay, I mean, we know England. that England has got the facilities yeah. and they, yeah. they could have done that. And, and I think that would you know, be safer. And that's more safety is more important than football. So I don't, yeah. I don't quite... Okay, but they've done it. Um, the only group in which I like the idea of mixed hosting is Group F. Because that's the traditional group of death. You've got three mega teams, Germany, France, and Portugal. So the world champions, the European champions, and, the, well, the previous Europe, uh, world champions, who traditionally always beat yeah. everybody, and Hungary. And you think, okay, poor old Hungary, you know, enjoy getting zero points. Yeah. But Hungary have got home advantage for all their games. And I, oh. I, I do like that. Oh, beg your pardon, except Germany. I mean, it's a shame that two teams have home advantage in that group. Germany yeah. as well. Germany play all their games in Munich. Now, okay, so that, that's helping them. 
but Hungary play France and Portugal in Budapest. And as things stand, Budapest is the only stadium that will actually be allowing 100% capacity. <sighs> so the only full stadium in the tournament will be the Hungarians, who clearly are much weaker than those three teams and don't seem to be as good as they were when they qualified five years ago. But they will get have a chance. Good atmosphere. Say again? They have a good atmosphere. The Hungarian fans are quite rowdy. And maybe just a chance to spring an upset, you know, to maybe not sustain something that would take them through in that sort of group, but maybe spring an upset that puts one of the big teams out. That's a fantastic group as well, isn't it? There, there's some real, real yeah, games yeah. there that are just going to be well worth watching. And yeah. fair play to Hungary. They could just throw a spanner in the works, couldn't yeah. they? And say, yeah, oh, exactly. you know what? Let's nick some points. And, and as well, I mean, okay, it feels a bit odd that Germany have home advantage as well as Hungary. But Germany are, I would argue on paper, the weakest of those three big teams. Mm. So that puts a little bit of extra interest into it. In France, for me, are the favourites. Portugal, feasibly, are second or third best squad. But they're going to have to play Germany away. So it's 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 an intriguing group, that, isn't it? And one thing you can say is you can never, ever write off Germany, can you? Yeah. Especially in a tournament. They, everyone's writing them off saying, oh, it's the weakest German side in years, but they could go on to win it still, couldn't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they, they seem quite slow the way they move the ball around now under, under Yogi Love, who, who appears to, well, I think it's probably reasonable to say he stayed two tournaments too long because the World Cup was a disaster and, and they haven't looked that convinced. I mean, they got beaten 6 still by Spain. They haven't looked that convincing in the interim. But when you look at some of the players they've got, you know, Muller and yeah. the likes of Sané out wide, yeah. um, Kimmich, you know. Best uh, goalkeeper in the world, Noya yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They've got some lovely players. And, you know, you, you with home advantage, they could easily uh, give one of those teams a bloody nose. I mean, I suppose the other problem for me is I, I don't like this third team going through thing, although I admit it might suit Wales. But yeah. it, it sort of means if you get three points, there's a very strong chance you're getting through. So, you know, those teams would be thinking, well, if we can if we can get the win against Hungary, these big face-offs might not matter that much. Yeah, that's that's true. But as I said, if it, if it's going to if, if it's going to benefit Wales yeah. Then I'm, I'm all for it. Absolutely. Let's move on to Wales. So shall we Oh, sorry. Yeah, let's move on to Wales. Let's move on to Wales. What do you think of Wales's prospects? Italy, Switzerland, uh, Turkey in the group. In the group. Uh, you know, before looking into Switzerland and before looking into Turkey, I was reasonably confident. But the more I've looked into Turkey, for example, they've, mm. they've just had... Uh, they've got a lot of players who play for Lille have just won Liga mm. Earn, haven't they? Yeah. And played really, really well. And Switzerland have a lot of players who play in the Bundesliga where we have a lot of players who play in the championship. Um, uh, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think we're going to get through. Um, oh, you know what? We talked about this about seven hours ago. Yeah. And I seemed like the pessimistic one and you were the optimistic one. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I've had, I've had about an hour or two to look into both. Because yeah. I think Turkey and Switzerland are the ones where we could snatch three points against both of them. Mm. or we could lose against both of them. I think it's a coin toss. But you've got to look at Turkey. They've got some absolute excellent players. Switzerland have got some great players. And Turkey are going to be playing... They're going to be playing Turkey in Baku, and there's going to be a lot of Turkish fans there. So that could be sort of like a home tie. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I'm not confident. But who knows? I wasn't confident in 2016 either. So maybe they can change my opinion after Saturday. I feel like it's a bit of a toss of the coin group. I think that mm. all three are at a similar level. The other two yeah. have got more experience, haven't they? The Swiss always get yeah. out the groups. Although, as you were saying to me, they haven't actually won a knockout game since 1938 in the, yeah. the tournament. So, you know. Um, and Turkey looks out some really good young players coming through, don't they? But, but Wales yeah. have got terrific young players coming through. We've still got your holy trinity of Bale, Ramsey and Allen. Yeah, and you know uh, Wales's recent results have been good, and the fact that they've got Robert Page in rather than Ryan Giggs doesn't seem to have phased the players in the slightest, which seems you know very promising to me. 
Yeah, and that's that's one thing we've not had in this last few months, which has made also made me worry is not having a stable manager because we've had gigs. We've then we've had Page, but Page has come in and he's done a, a great job. And yeah. I think if he gets us out of the group group, he deserves the job full time. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. absolutely. I, I think there's an element of I. <sighs> There was controversy when Giggs was appointed yeah. because for years the Welsh FA had talked about building the system and promoting from within, uh, something which is an excellent idea if you actually get the system right, and I think the Welsh FA did. And then they brought someone in from outside. And I, I personally thought maybe someone like Oshin Roberts should have got it myself, but okay, they appointed Giggs. Um, whether or not that's worked, the truth of the matter is that the idea of having a good system has definitely worked. And I think that's why losing a manager in these circumstances has not been a big problem because that network and system of bringing young players through was already in operation. And those young players were coming through uh, and improving the team, putting all these promising talents in and maybe as well, because they were just coming in, weren't so attached to gigs, if you like, and happy to take, the guidance of Page instead, and I think that, so. In that sense, I think the system has worked very well because we've had this this good churn of of young talents coming through, and and the system in the end is what gets us the results. Exactly, and I think it's a fantastic time for these youngsters to come in and just it's a free hit this tournament. Yeah. The one thing about supporting Wales is I really don't think the fans put any pressure on them, mm-hmm. and I, I and I think it, you know us just being there is just it's just great for the crack and I think the fans love just being involved and I think with these young lads just go in there enjoy yourselves play mm. you don't have to win you know and it, it's good setting up now for a future tournament in Qatar and the World Cup and hopefully we'll be able to qualify for our first World Cup in a long long time yeah I, I, as a bit of me feels that maybe this tournament is going to be valuable experience no matter how yeah. it goes and at the same squad will be a a year older uh, and a bit better, hopefully, when it gets to the World Cup. I, I, I think it's looking in the short term at it as well. That's was the thing that worries me a little bit about the current setup is the centre midfield. I feel, and ironically, it's two of your mates behind you. Um, Alan has come back from a serious injury, and is he properly fit? I love Joe Allen. I think he's a wonderful player. Excellent. Player. Um, but is he fully right at the moment? I, I don't know. He's not got much football under his belt. Ramsey, there's always concerns about his fitness. And the thing is that uh, if you play him in that floating free role, which I think is his best role, um, he, he can be a bit absent when we haven't got the ball, but you can carry that a bit better because he's up the pitch. Mm. If you're going to use Allen and Ramsey together in the centre of midfield... Are you taking a real gamble with a, a a scrapper who's not fully fit or isn't match fit and a player who's prone to injuries or maybe lacks a little bit of sharpness, but more importantly, I think, isn't all that suited to being a bit deeper and rolling your sleeves up? I'm just a little worried teams could get through us in midfield. I don't know. Am I, am I being overly worried by that, do you think? No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think the middle of the park is a worry because... If you look, if you're looking at our squad list, if you were to pick a midfield, I'm guessing we'll be playing a free, free at the back. Will we be playing? Because we usually play free at the back, do we? Or we will we be playing a four-three-three? I don't know. But if you were to pick a midfield, if you were Rob Page, who who would you pick? I mean, that is an issue. I would want three in midfield for that reason. But my problem yeah. then is, how do you fit in Bale? Once James and Ramsey, <laughs> how are you going to do that? And Wilson, there's there's, yeah. there's there's too many of those second line players in a way, and you have to make tough decisions. I think. Um, I, I mean, when you look at the squad, a player that I like, but I, I don't think will start is Matthew Smith. I think yeah. he's a tidy sort of player who doesn't waste the ball uh, and and is very sort of sound technically, and I quite like him maybe as a sort of anchor of midfield. You could use Ampadu in there as well, I suppose. Yeah, I um, would. I'd play Ampadu, yeah. Ampadu in the middle for his defensive qualities. 
And then, and then the thing is, like I say, about maybe it coming too soon. I mean, could you use Levitt in that area of the pitch? But, you know, despite the fact he's looking very good, surely you can't dump that responsibility on him no. really yet. Um, I'm not worried by it, but it, it could be an issue. But then it, it could also be that you're asking your midfield to sit in in front of your back three, get the wing backs up. And just try, as they have done more so in the page, I think, mm. trying to work the ball, you know, through the thirds a bit quicker. I'm not saying they're yeah. long ball, but they're hitting the forward players a bit earlier and trying to interplay. And that's where Kiefer Moore comes into play as somebody who can hold the ball up. And he's been a bit reluctantly reluctant starting Kiefer Moore recently yeah. as well, hasn't he, Paige? Yeah. But I, I honestly think you start Kiefer Moore because I think he's an excellent target man who's probably Premier League quality. Mm. Um, and I think when you've got Gareth Bale on the pitch, you can just whip balls in perfectly. Keith Moore is the per- type of player you want on the end of them, don't you? Yeah, exactly. And, and particularly, well, I'd be interested to see what news is coming out of Switzerland uh, because Fabian Schaar, they usually play a three at the back. Schaar is a left-sided yeah. one and he's injured. And it sounds like right. it's a bit touch and go whether he'll be fit enough to play. Now, if he's not able to play, then they've got an interesting uh, sort of like tactic to, to cope with that, which is putting Rodriguez in, tucking him in mm. one. Now, Rodriguez is a, a fine all-round player, but he is a left wing back, really, I would argue, more than a centre-back. And, and don't get me wrong, I know that you can play... You know, when you're playing three at the back, you can have a wide defender who is more of a ball player, maybe a, a not an out-and-out mm. centre-back. I mean, we've seen Wrexham do that really well, haven't we, this season? Yeah. Um, but I think that Ricardo Rodriguez... Uh, I don't know, it, that sounds to me like a little bit of a stretch. He's well-built, but I would fancy us getting the ball down the left and sticking stuff to the far post for... Um, Kiefer Moore to be f- scrapping Rodriguez for headers at the far post but to me yeah. that sounds like a way to score goals 100% so, so what do you think of our opponents I think for, sorry go on our first opponent sorry they are uh, well, I mean I respect Switzerland I, I, I'm oh they blew it didn't they in the World Cup because they had Sweden yeah. in the knockout games and it was a dreadful dreadful match and you just sort of he had a bit of a feeling that Switzerland were better than Sweden and didn't mm. turn up on the day and they blew it. And then, of course, Sweden played England. Well, I mean, uh, Switzerland may well have fancied themselves against that England team. They could have had a chance to go really deep in the tournament and they blew it. And I think that's what you've got to be a bit careful with. I mean, the other centre-backs are good, aren't they? they got Elvedi, so, you know, good, yeah. solid centre. Akanji, who used the ball well, he's fast. And like I say, both Bundesliga players, Jan Sommer in goal. Who is a, a, an excellent well, keeper. Fine keeper, isn't he? Yeah. You'd struggle to find a, bet, a keeper at a European level, would you? Well, exactly. Uh, and then the wing-backs are good. I mean, Zuber is a player who's attracted the interest of Premier League teams. He's yeah. works up and down the flank. Uh, years ago, what was it? I think it was the start of the Liverpool run when they lost the final in the Champions League. I saw Liverpool play at Anfield in the qualifying round against Hoffenheim. And mm. they battered them. And the one Hoffenheim player who caught my eye was Tuba, playing his left side of wing back and getting the ball, getting up and down the line and taking the game to them. The rest of them are catastrophic. But you sort of thought he can play. The rest of them are having a yeah. nightmare. And then Mbabu on the other side is, is really fast and exciting. They, 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 those two are quite young, fresh new players coming in. The decent Chaka in midfield. I've never, I, I've always, <laughs> I'm scared of Chaka simply because he's a bit of a figure of fun in my house. A lad and I, we're always like, ah, oh, blinking at his ears, he's useless. Well, he, he's he loves awesome. playing for Swi- Switzerland, doesn't he? And yeah, he, he's done well he, for him, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's also a Premier League quality footballer. And yeah. yeah. Very, he is a very good footballer. I know a lot of English press and what have you like to give him stick, but he is a quality footballer. And yeah. they have Shakiri as well, don't they? I think yeah, yeah. they do heavily rely on his creativity to win games sometimes, mm. though, don't they? And I guess that's something, hopefully, in our favour, that, mm. you know, that he's not getting much pitch time. It could yeah. mean he's fresh, but it could mean he's not totally 100% sharp. So he made very little impact this season, did he, for Liverpool? Uh, whereas the others are regulars in the Bundesliga or Chaka in the Premier League. 
Yeah. So, you know, but Shakira seems to switch himself on for internationals, doesn't he? And yeah. I like him. He's a good player. Anyone, anyone who can have the nickname the Atomic Cube, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, is great. I think it's the best nickname I've ever heard of. Um, and then, yeah, and also in midfield, they've got Freuler, haven't they, who's done very well with Atlanta and is really energetic. Uh, they've got some decent options. Zakaria's good midfielder as well. You know, but they're, they're players of, you know, Freuler, Zakaria, players of legs, that if I'm yeah. worried about Wales' centre mid, you know, would look to overrun them perhaps. That, that, that's the area we've got to watch out for. But then, like I said, if we can maybe exploit, if Rodriguez has to play in a back three, if we can exploit that in the air, maybe that's a, a positive. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a striker. Seferovic <laughs> is a big target man, isn't he, really? But these I think the more you good. think about it, it's, 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 <laughs> it's a really tough game. But the, yeah. the thing is, you can look at players and how they performed all season, and that goes out the window when it comes to internationals. Yeah. It's free games, isn't it? It's free games. And the likes of Shakiri, and, you know, for us, the likes of Gareth Bale, They'll just turn it on, won't they, for these yeah. sort of games? Because it's, it, it, I think for, for likes of Gareth Bale, for example, I think winning Wales, winning for Wales means a hell of a lot more for them than winning for Spurs or Real Madrid does, or even golf. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's Wales golf Madrid, isn't it? So it. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I sort of think as well that that I mean I I don't want to sound pessimistic. I, I think we've got a decent chance of getting through because three teams. You know, there's, there's a four and six chance that three teams get through. And if you can start off with a win, you've got one foot in the next round already. You might lose the next two and still go through. Um, but It's I, getting I think the win, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's good that we have the third place thing in the sense that, you know, teams maybe just want to avoid defeat in their first game. But maybe with some teams, it'll give the attitude of if we can go out there, perform in our first match, like Wales did in the last Euros. You got that sense mm. of you, we may well be through here. We can yeah. we can express ourselves now. I'm oh, just a bit uh, sorry. Hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent agree. I think, and uh, as well, I mean, I sound a bit pessimistic. I'm not meaning to be, but I think Switzerland should be worried that, like I said, Wales have got so much quality in the attacking midfield sort of area of the pitch, and when you play three at the back. And and if especially if you play through the back four in midfield, I think you can you can really leave gaps between midfield and defence, which mm. is exactly where the likes of Bale or Ramsey or Johnny Williams or Harry Wilson would look to capitalise, and it's a sort of area from which you can feed James running in behind. So I think they need to be a bit worried about that. And if they do claim say more up front, you know you've got the chance, opportunity of him knocking the ball down and us fighting for scraps in an area where their system doesn't naturally put players. And then what's their solution to that? Well, in, as you've seen in the past, in big games, it's been to bottle it a little bit and drop off and be a bit mm. deep and try and narrow that space by dropping off. And great, play from your half. Shakiri's not going to hurt us from the halfway line. So it, it could be that we, if we can play the game on our terms, push them back, make them worry about giving Bale and Ramsey space in attacking position, which is why I want Ramsey yeah. playing out of the pitch. Then I think they've got a real problem because we'll be playing, we will be playing to our strengths. Yeah, 100%. We, we've got some quality to come off the bench, like Brooks and Tyler Roberts as well, who, yeah. who are, you know, no, Brooks is a championship player, but he's, he's touted to be sport by all the top teams and you've got Tyler Roberts, who I think has an excellent season for Leeds mm. United this year, who could come off the bench and mm. give a real good go. And I, I think, I think we have a, I think we have a great chance, but I think this sort of game is a sort of a flip of the coin. So I look at us and I look at Switzerland, the quality is very similar, isn't it really? Yeah. yeah. A bit more experience, haven't they? But yeah. The quality is similar. It does just bother me, not this game, but in general, like I said, that, Alan, Bale, Ramsey and Brooks all, well, either coming off injuries or the history of injury, mm. you know, what are they up to speed? Because, well, Alan, Ramsey and Bale really are our senior players, aren't they? And our best yeah. players, you might argue. And Brooks is, is a terrific player. Um, but how fit is he? He hasn't been playing this season for Bournemouth, but, you know, is he back to what he was beforehand when he looked like an incredible prospect? 
Yeah, but all we can do is hope. Yeah, exactly. Live in hope, die in Kaiguli. <laughs> but the thing is, though, we are not going to do any predictions on this game. <laughs> uh, but shall we, predi- shall we predict the rest of the games from the first wave? I think we ought to. 100%. So, get those first games game, up. <laughs> first game, Turkey, Italy. What's the scoreline, Mark? I. There's a bit of me says. Nil nil, you know. <laughs> There's a bit of me thinks that I like I, you know, Italy look great and their recent form's been very good, but Turkey are going to be difficult opposition and Italy have a habit of crashing and burning or being brilliantly good. And I think that's going to be much tougher for Italy. You know what? I'm yeah. going to ch- oh, okay, I'll do a prediction. Um, yeah, I'm going to say that's a draw. What do you reckon? 2 1 Turkey. Oh, he's gone for it. The more I've looked into Turkey, the more I think they could be a real dark horse this tournament. Right. Saturday after the Wales game, it's Denmark versus Finland. I'm going to quickly say this one. I think it's going to be 3 0 Denmark. Denmark win. Yeah, I agree. Do you want to score as well? I'm I'm going to do scores. Oh, okay. I need to. Oh, you can look these down, don't I now? Just to yeah. embarrass me later. Uh, Denmark, Finland. Uh, Denmark look good to me. Finland's going to be solid. 2-0. Home advantage as well, isn't it? 2-0 Denmark. Belgium, Russia. Ooh, in St. Petersburg. <laughs> Ooh. Belgium are a good team. and I'm not convinced yeah. by Russia. And they've lost the Berezutsky twins and they've lost um, Akinfeev. Uh, 2-0 Belgium. 3-0 Belgium. Oh, you're, you're, you're going for a, a whole heap of poundings, aren't you? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going for a real exciting tournament here. Hopefully, I'm just being <laughs> optimistic. <laughs> oh, next one, England v. Croatia. England v. Croatia. Are Croatia quite the team they were? But they've been a, a banana skin for England historically, yeah. haven't they? And are England as good as people try and say they are? one all. Harry Kane breaks his toe. <laughs> I'm going to go 1-0 England. <laughs> Pessimist. <laughs> Austria versus North Macedonia. It's in Bucharest. Uh, I don't really know. I mean, it's sort of mad that they're here, isn't it? Because they're the fourth tier... Nations League were winners. I quite like the Nations League thing, though. And Yeah, and, and to be fair, you, you sort of think, oh, this might end up in Malta or somebody being in it. But actually, North Macedonia aren't too bad. And I think they'll be quite solid. I think, that, I think that's got, it's got nil-nil written all over it. Yeah, I'll say the same. I'm starting Next to one more, I- hang on, Sabitzer and Baumgartling and Austria got some nice players. Nil-nil written all over it. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll double up on that one. Alabama. Next one after that is Holland v Ukraine. Oh, I'm gonna was... go. Oh, I'm gonna one nil Holland because they're my second favorite national team. Yeah, I, I yeah two nil Holland. I, yeah. I think that I, I've got to stop being contrarian, saying that everything's gonna be an upset, haven't I? Now here's a good one. Scotland v Czech Republic. Now, Scotland, I think, are a really interesting one. They sort of seem to have the, the vibes that we had going into 2016. And I think they have some real quality players. Um, John McGain, um, oh, who's the one who plays for United? He's really good. Uh, Scott McTominay. Uh, yeah, I think they have some Robertson real quality TV. players. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, very similar to us, I find, in 2016. Yeah. So I think, I think they might do quite well. But Czech Republic are also a decent side as well. Yeah, it's Scotland against West Ham, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's at Hampden Park. So there's massive, massive potential for Scotland to have an absolute national disaster, which tends yeah. to be how tournaments <laughs> go for them. So, um, yeah, 1-0 Czech Republic. 2-1 Czech Republic, last-minute goal. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Next one after that is Poland v Slovakia. 
doesn't Slovakia really exciting? No, and Poland have got some good players. Yeah, yeah. but I've, I think Poland too now. Yeah. Spain v Sweden. Oh, oh. You see, I love Spanish football, and yeah. I probably as well informed about the Spanish team as as about any team in a way. But Sweden look quite decent, and Isaac's been brilliant for Real Sociedad this year. And Spain have a tendency, just out there for a while, of finding it hard sometimes to break teams down because they move the ball around a bit slowly. Mm. Plus, Luis Enrique picks teams on form and chops and changes like crazy. So what Spain will turn up? I think that's going to be Spain 1-0. One, 1-0 one I'm going to go for. Yeah. Be Hungary versus Portugal in Budapest. Yes. So the, the, the banana skin. I do you know what I'm going to go for. I, I have not picked a, a wild, a really wild one yet. I'm going to go two 0 Hungary, even oh, though I think Portugal oh. are going to win the tournament. Nice. Portugal <laughs> won. Hungary won. Ronaldo misses a penalty. Oh, <laughs> oh that would be drama, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, it'd be something. And then, six, is it six goals to be the top? Oh no, hang on. I think, I think I've got that stat wrong about him being the top European Championship scorer of all time. I think he is, isn't he? All right, ignore yeah. me. Ignore me. Yeah. And then there's a little sort of friendly match last, isn't there? Just a sort of nothing sort of game. Yeah, the last one's France v Germany in Munich. Yeah, what's your thoughts on that one? France too good for Germany. Three-one France. I'm going to go to all. Oh, what a tournament it'll be if we're right. If if my yeah. results are correct, yeah. then it's going to be a fantastic first round of yes. games, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and if mine are correct, pretty much no one's going to be happy. <laughs> Only Spain will be happy. <laughs> Italy will be furious. England will be furious. Germany will be depressed. Portugal won't have one eye. Oh God, actually, yeah, I'm, I have pushed them up. <laughs> Maybe I pushed my luck a bit too far there, have I? <laughs> I so we let's revisit these in the next episode. See how many we've got right, oh, God. and see how see how horrendously bad we've done. Let's expose ourselves, our stupidity, <laughs> not ourselves, to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. But, but anyway, let's let's sum up our thoughts going into these into the Euros. Excited. There should be yeah. some good football. Um, but ultimately France will win it. I think with it being a completely different format, I think there's gonna be some twists and turns in this tournament, but if it's hard to look past France just because of their strength and depth, really, isn't it? And I, I also think, even though I predicted them to lose, I think Portugal have a great, great shout too. Yeah. Um, and I, f- I also think, controversially, and I've, I know we probably do have a lot of English fans that, I know they have some fantastic players, but I also think England are being really overhyped after coming back from a good tournament in the last tournament. I think England did really well in the last one because they had less pressure and they had no expectation but now they have now they have this expectation if they don't win the tournament it's a failure I I wouldn't be surprised if they end up going third that's my hot take mm. I, uh, my my final hot, hot take I, I feel that the England squad I think the young players coming through are, are really exciting I think it's fantastic to see that sort of quality for them but I just wonder if it's a little bit early for them. And I also wonder if playing in England is actually an advantage because the expectation of the press and the fans is stupid. Mm. And I mean, I worried a little bit for Wales in that respect of people expecting us to get to the semi-finals again. You, don't, you can't put expectation like that on the team. Yeah. Let them play and just see what they can achieve. Um, in England, they will expect to win it. And I think that can be difficult to deal with. And they'll be in the country seeing all the papers, mocking them if they don't beat, you know, yeah. sort of Czech Republic. Um, and, and I feel, I have a sneaking feeling that everyone's very excited about this is England's big chance, semi-finals and final at Wembley. I have a sneaking feeling that they won't get that far. I think they need Maguire to be 
fit and we don't know if he will be. They need Henderson to be fully fit. and yeah. He's fit enough to play, but is he fit enough to be Jordan Henderson? They need those players because they've got lots of young talent, but they need hard-nosed players of quality like them to really, I think, give them a hard spine as well. Will Kane stay fit? Seem to pick injuries exactly. quite easily, doesn't he? Though I do rate, if Kane did get injured, I do rate Dominic Cavalu, and I think he's an excellent yeah. striker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my take on England is their defence. I don't think their defence is quite good enough, even with Maguire, uh, I think. And if they have to play Tyrone Mings, as much as I like Tyrone Mings, I think he's a bit of a loose cannon, especially yeah. at uh, international level where the pressure are. I've, you've got to say, out of all the teams, the, the expectation and pressure, England have to have one of the highest, don't they? Yeah. Easily. Yeah. And it, my hot take is they'll end up third in their group let's look back on this in a month's yeah. time and probably laugh and they've probably won it but my, yeah, hot take, exactly. yeah. my hot take is England will end up third in the group they could improve defensively because Mings can only get better <laughs> thank you very much I'm here all week <laughs> I used to do that with Torsten Frings you know, Frings ain't what he used to be that sort of thing but Mings has stepped in well Danny Ings I can fall back on in Premier League matches as well of course yeah. Well, yeah, of course, Wrexham's going to be in that, be there in the next few years anyway, aren't we? Oh, exactly, yeah. We're signing Danny Ings, aren't we? It's, it's done, I think, the done deal. <laughs> yeah, it's, if we get into the championship in a few years' time, he's yeah. going to sign on his way out, and then he's going to gloriously score the last-minute goal at Wembley in the playoffs that sends us to the Premier League. Exactly, yeah, yeah. There's a title for our um, podcast, now Ings signs for Wrexham. <laughs> that should draw them in <laughs> good old good old clickbait anyway, exactly really enjoyed doing this Mark yeah it's great stuff as always Che and we're going to do a bonus aren't we yes so the start of next week we'll bring out a bonus edition focusing on anything that happens with Wrexham over the weekends which we're not ex- expecting to be honest and also we can look back on those some of those first round of games most specifically Wales against Switzerland so uh, join us then and great stuff. And we can't do the Jay Harris Hollywood send-off, can we? Uh, oh, I'll just have to record myself saying something odd in German over the uh, over the, over <laughs> some electronic music. If you can work out what I'm saying, we'll send you a, f- a prize. I hope you like <laughs> rubber bands, because that's about as much as our budget goes to. <laughs> right, Jay, we should go, shouldn't we, I think, and yeah. prepare to watch football all day, every day. Yes, I can't wait. Excellent. Speak to you soon. Bye, everyone. The Comet Pick and Best of Thanks very much for watching. Please subscribe as well so you don't miss out on any of our content and click the bell to get notifications.